The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy, the underdog, Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. All right. We figure out which one are we doing? Did you... We talk about this one? Are we doing the John High? Yeah, it's okay. On the I just want to make sure I was on the right page because I told you I had a bunch of them. So. Jesus Christ! Don't yell at me. I'm you know doing I'm them stressed. in the exact order that you gave them to. Okay, me. don't yell at me. You know I'm stressed. I got stress for you. You know what? Bite me, bitch. I would, but I'd get rabies. No, that's only if I bite you. Oh, that's true. <laughs> okay. Yes, I'm ready now. I'm there. You sure? Yes. All right. I'm on the same page. Turn the page. I know, huh? <laughs> Are you ready for this one? Give it to me. Okay, today we're going to cover, I think it's pronounced John High or Hag, H-A-I-G-H. Um, and he's been known as the acid bath murderer. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that name because, I mean, not as much as a Jacksonville killer, serial killer, because... Fucking Jacksonville. Anything in Jacksonville is just already traumatizing. I thought for sure during that podcast when we were recording that that you were going to say, and then he took his shirt off and he fought a palm tree. <laughs> but <laughs> for it was, reals. But it was okay. The cops said, carry on, carry on. But then he turned around and made a horrible error. He put his shirt back on and he hit a tree, and that's a felony. You cannot <laughs> fight a shirt that's legally. That's a class A felony. <laughs> that's right. You cannot legally fight a tree in the state of Florida with your shirt on. But we know that now. <laughs> That's right. Anyways, this is John Haig. He is probably one of the most bizarre and... Dis- Actually, I think it'd be Haig because isn't that spelt like the Haig? Oh, it kind of... I think it, you might be right. I don't know. I didn't do a how to pronounce and I kind of yeah. regret it now. Fuck it. Go for but it. But anyways, he's like one of the b- most bizarre yet disturbing cases probably in a long time. Okay? He was a respectful, well-dressed, middle-class man who had a charm beyond belief. But in the 1940s, he murdered and disposed of at least six victims that prompted the media to call him a vampire. So he's just a small town girl murdering in a lonely world. That's a small town boy. Did he take a midnight train going anywhere? Maybe to Georgia. No, he's out of the UK. I like that name, Midnight Train, or that, that, that song, Midnight Train in Georgia. I know, huh? Anyways, his motivations for his crimes involve... Wait, hold on. If they think he's a vampire, why do they call him the acid bath killer? Well, that makes no fucking I, sense. I'll get into it. I've actually... I haven't... I mean, I've seen some documentaries on him. He's really weird. But anyways, the motivations for his crimes, which actually involved him luring his prey, his victims... Where their blood was consumed before he dissolved them in acid. They should call him a vampire. But his motivations have never been clearly defined. He claimed, his claim to have been disturbed in his childhood by his strict religious parents led to a psychotic state of mind obsessed with religion, iconography, and sacrificial fantasies. I know I know I know his motivations. I but actually, that's all been disputed. What? Well I, I, I saw a skit by David by Dave Chappelle. Oh shit. Where he asks he uh, he, he 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 mistreats customers. 
And he says, now people ask me, why do you treat ca- uh, customers this way? Fuck them. That's why. <laughs> I know. I love Dave Chappelle. Even though he went through that whole thing, you know, uh, he's way back when. He's, he's funny. hilarious. And he, like, literally makes fun of everybody, like Cat Williams. You know, I love it. Yeah, I like J- Dave Chappelle yeah. a lot, a lot. Have you, did you used to watch the Chappelle show? I, no, because I don't watch TV. I mean, how, oh. much, how much TV have you actually? That's true. I've never really seen you watch TV at all. Yeah, I'm. I've in the in, in the two years that you've worked for me, you've seen me maybe watch TV. Well, we did binge watch that one series together. Okay, no, there there, there was that, but, but outside yeah. of that, really, I, I don't watch TV. I just I listen to music and I read and I you know fuck fuck around on my phone and watch midget porn. Yeah. So, anyways. All of those, his claims have been disputed, right? However, critics believe that he wasn't insane. It wasn't the, his insanity that fueled his, like, horrendous activities. He was just a cold-blooded killer who arrogantly thought that if there's no body, there's no crime. He's a cold-hearted snake. He don't play by rules. Uh-oh. Yeah. Good don't play the fool But if there's no body, there's no crime, right? No, nothing about Paula Abdul. Really? I know. I love I Paula Abdul, actually. I pull out a Paula Abdul song actually, of all things. you know what song I love about her is that two steps forward, three steps back, opposites attract. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the, with the with scat the, cat. Yeah, scat with, cat. Yeah, with, with the animation. Yeah, that was, yeah that, was that was a good but song. But come on, I just pulled out a I freaking know. Paula at me. You know what's really weird is I wanted to smooth over it because um, I kind of like didn't know where to go with you and Paula Abdul. But it makes sense. Oh, I knew where to go. I was going to say, it makes sense. Paula Abdul is a very good-looking woman. She's very flexible, good dancer. Uh Um, Yes, she is. She used to choreograph for In Living Color. Yeah, I want to choreograph her in many ways. wasn't she a Laker dancer, too? I can't remember. I think she was. Yeah. It was like, Lakers or the Clippers? I can't remember. I think it was Lakers. I think it was before the Clippers were there. Oh, no. Okay, you you could be right. Yeah. I I don't watch sports. My memory is shit anyway. And she's so funny when you listen to her talk. She kind of like has that... Uh, that Latoya Jackson innocent quality about him when she's talking like, "Are you for real?" <laughs> I saw a clip of Dolly Parton that had me rolling. Oh my god, no! It's it, it's it's at a concert and somebody yelled out, "I love you, Dolly!" And she said, "Well, I love you too, but I told you, wait in the trunk." <laughs> that is hilarious. I I can't remember who sent me that, but I was I oh my snot god. came out of my nose. <laughs> My eyes were watering. I'm coughing and hacking. I thought I was going to oh die. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. I'm reaching for my She's... inhaler. I'm sucking on it like I'm a hooker and I owe it money. <laughs> um, it was bad. It was hilarious. I was say, Larry the Cable Guy has said something similar. He and How does he? I think there was one that he says, I love you, too, but... Stop telling, uh, don't tell anybody we're cousins and I told you to wait outside or something like that. I was like, oh, that's a classic right there. <laughs> Oh, man. You know who else I love? Who? Your mom. Oh, shit. Here and, we go. And, of course, Jen Doll. <laughs> Jen Doll. <laughs> because I want to spank her ass so bad. What? Stop saying that on the air. And what? Did you say that to her? No. Then why do you say it on the Here, Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Because, okay, this, this all started a couple of weeks ago. I'm giving her shit, right? 
Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, man, when Todd called in and he was doing his, you know, his co-hosting, we were we were talking mad shit about you about how we're going to do this and that. And da, 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 da. No, you didn't. I kept her going all week long. And then Friday's episode hits and there's nothing there. She's see, I knew you were full of shit. That ha ha ha. And I said, she, you wouldn't do that. Da, da. I said, oh, really? Okay, now now hold my beer. <laughs> now it's a challenge. You just now fucking challenged me. Okay, we're gonna do this. So now I want to periodically throw in the most absurd, rotten stuff I can just just to fuck with her because she listens to this show every day when she's out taking her morning walk. Yeah. She's she's hilarious. I mean, she's one of our biggest fans too, and I love her. She is. She's freaking yeah. hilarious. Love her to death, she man. She is. She is. She's awesome. Now, John George Haig was born on July twenty fourth, nineteen oh nine, in Stamford, Lincolnshire. Jesus, that's it. That's that's like England. Yes. Now the family moved to Outwood. That's the name of the place, Outwood, West Yorkshire, when he where he spent the next twenty four years of his life. Now, he was raised in a fanatically religious household where any references to, quote, the Lord were used frequently to remind him that he was always observed by a higher, always disapproving deity. This is exactly the problem. He, it, yeah. It, okay, look, I know we got a lot of Christians and crap like that and other religions that listen to us, but here's the deal, man. That is the freaking problem with the world is people... Okay, look, some people take the word of whatever God they believe in and they, they take the good out of it and they go, hey, man, maybe I shouldn't be a dick. Right. Okay? And that's fine. However, when you take somebody and you're constantly oppressing them yeah. based on your religion, going, everything you do is wrong. Like, if you piss, it's wrong. And if you look at this girl over here who's beautiful, you know, then obviously you're lustful and, that, and stuff like that. And you keep pushing them down with that. It's going to cause so many psychological problems that oh, you yeah. can't even... I'm, well, I'm good at math. I can't count that shit. I was going to say, it gets worse. Um, carry on my wayward son. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. I knew you wanted to sing it. I, I feel did, it. but I couldn't quite remember the right words, and I didn't want to fuck it up like you always do. So there There'll you go. be peace when you are done. Yes. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Yeah. I can't sing more shit, but yeah. So anyways, he later claimed that his childhood was very bleak and lonely. (laughs) You fucking think? Well, no, because he only had a few. His only friends were actually the few pets he had. And he also cared for his neighbor's dog on occasion. Yeah, because his other friends are like, I don't want to go over to your house because your parents are freaking goddamn freaks. No, actually, it's even worse than that. His dad, when they moved into their house, built a fence, a tall fence around the property. Now, that was so that prying eyes could not peer in to see what was happening, and it limited almost all social contact with the outside world. Now, his parents belonged to a very religious sect known as the Plymouth Brethren. Now, that's a purist and anti-clerical sect. Now, the only form of entertainment (coughs) members of this church have were Bible stories. Oh, that's masturbation. My bad. Shut up. Even participating in any type of organized sport was highly forbidden. Okay? There's the problem. I'm not even going to blame this guy. It's the goddamn fault of the parents. Yeah. When when you oppress... Stories like this piss me off. Not as bad as the kids. No, but, I mean, wait until you hear what else happened. But, yeah. 
people are meant to develop, grow, and evolve, okay? Right. So you start off into this world and you're just a happy little baby and you don't know a fucking thing. All you know is that you want some titties because you need some food. You you shit yourself, so change my diaper, burp me, and hold me when I feel lonely. Boom. Life is great. And, but then you evolve, right? You're like, okay, yeah. I don't want titties for food. Now I want food food. Yes. You know, I, I need something solid in me. Right. And I have other needs. Like, you know, um, like I want to go when I want to play outside. I want to enjoy the weather. Or right. I want to go fishing. Or, or, you know, like read a book. Things like that. And then you evolve even more. Like, hey, I want to, you know, I'm going to find somebody I'm going to fall in love and have kids. Natural things. But when you take everything that is of a natural order. Mm-hmm. For natural childhood development, mm-hmm. and you go, oh, but you can't do all this stuff here because everything is a sin. All you are doing, you might as well shoot your kid in the goddamn head, right? Because you've already ruined his fucking life, him or her, because you've oppressed them so damn much. So one of two things is going to happen: either they're going to become a mindless zombie and follow along with you, or they're going to act out in at not just a little way, not like a, hey, I can get away with this by playing. Rock and roll music, or you know, Ozzy Osbourne in a barn. Um, they're gonna <laughs> act out in a huge way, right? Like, hey, I'm going to murder people, right? Drink their blood and dissolve them in acid. Yeah, yeah. It's freaking god. Well, and they wonder why this shit happened. Right? I bet you. I bet you. I will bet you that if their parents were, if his parents were alive during this whole thing, they were. We don't know how this happened. We raised them, right? No, you're the reason. Yeah, you're the reason why this shit happened. You want to know the reason, assholes? Look at look in the fucking mirror. Take yeah. Take a big, long, hard look. You're looking at the goddamn reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah, it's well, and it gets even worse. I'm telling you, you'd think it couldn't get any worse than that, but it gets worse. I'm just now, I'm, now I'm all pissy. Right now, according to his father, the entire world was evil, and the family had to keep separate from them because you know you don't want to you don't want to associate yourself with evil, right? Now his dad also had a bluish blemish on his head, right, like a birthmark type thing, and he often told his son that he got that because he was a sinner. In his youth. So, of course, John grew up thinking, you know what? If I commit any sign, if I do anything, you know, commit any sort of crime or misdemeanor or whatever, I'm going to get a bluish mark as well. I'll be marked by the devil. So. Mark of the beast. And he was told that because when he asked, why doesn't mom have a mark? He was told she is an angel. She has never sinned. Okay. (laughs) She's not sucking dick. That's sad. Right. So apparently the turning point in his, where his psyche kind of, in, while he's developing his psyche, you know, in his <laughs> youth, uh, that kind of like turned it for the worse was when he realized that he would never get a blemish because he had started to lie and commit and have other questionable behavior and yet nothing happened. So he then started to really believe that he was invincible and could get away with anything. Okay. Uh-huh. Because his dad said, if you commit sin, you're going to get a blemish. But when he committed a sin and didn't, he's like, oh, well, I'm invincible now. Right. Which I can kind of see. But the Lord loves me more than he loves you, father. <laughs> yeah. So, however, he also later claimed um, and these claims need to be taken with a grain of salt. I need to tell you that he later claimed that he was afflicted by nightmarish gothic dreams in which Trees would turn into crucifixes that weeped blood. But 
then he was also known to be manipulative and a compulsive liar. And he would say anything to get himself out of any compromising position, right? I would honestly love to have dreams like that. Really? I, I would. I, I, it's going to sound fucked up, but here's the reason. Nothing on this planet scares me, okay? Except for spiders. Right. Okay? And if I have a dream about a spider, that's just fucking terrifying. But um, if I had dreams like that, oh, my God, I would wake up and I'd be like, wow, I'm actually afraid. This is this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, I don't know. I, I, I've had very vivid nightmares, and I don't know if I'd like that. So. so when he was arrested for murder, it's like he started asking the authorities, what would happen if I'm found insane in court? Which tells you that he was pretty much aware that if he could appear crazy or bonkers and damaged by his childhood, it would probably work in his favor. I'm right? crazy and I'm damaged by my childhood. I'm damaged by your childhood, too. And I'm also damaged because your mommy's not playing with me in my birthday suit right now. And are you also damaged? I don't know, because you know me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, I'm damaged because I know you. Like, my reputation has sunk so low I remember now. it like yesterday when we <laughs> met. There I was up at Mount Hood. I was minding my own business, okay? Read my Bible. Say my prayers. That's exactly <laughs> it. I was, I was praying to the mighty majestic mountain cows. And then off in the distance, I heard... Well, what the fuck is that, man? And there the Smithsonian was chasing after you. But I'm quicker on the draw, and thankfully I had those tranquilizer darts because, you know, I was falling around Jethro trying to get Jenny back for him. And I got you a couple of times. I, I, I'll admit I didn't think that it would take 17 horse, horse tranquilizers to take you down. Man, <laughs> that was scary. But I bagged it. I tagged it. And when the Smithsonian showed up, I said, "Up, oh, it's already got my tag on it, motherfuckers. It's Get the mine. hell out of here. It's mine. Possession, nine-tenths of law, motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> so we had a little bit of a scuffle, but I got you into the cage. I mean, I had to use a so winch and call five friends. So you're trying to say you friends. own me now? That tag, in, that tag is in your ear, and the chip is in you for a reason. <laughs> That's what happened back there. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> I made the back of my neck, asshole. Yeah, okay, I sure. I touched the back of my neck when I said I that. I thought you were looking at your ass going, that's what happened back there. That's when my anus is wrecked. No, that's not what happened back there. <laughs> it's a tag, not an anus wrecking. Jesus. Ew. So, in take, the, take the mud road home. Shut up. In 1934, he stopped going to church with his parents. I don't blame him. Right? And he also met 21-year-old Beatrice <laughs> Hammer. What a name. And... Even though she was impressed by his manners and his charm, there was something about him that made her uncertain about his character. However, despite that, it, and the fact that they barely knew each other, they were married on July 6, 1934. Now, his parents allowed them to live with them, although the marriage only lasted for four months. He, and that's because he was arrested in October 1934 and spent time in prison for fraud. Now, while he was incarcerated, Beatrice gave birth to a, a little girl who she gave up for adoption. And then Haig only saw her one more time briefly. Um, and he lied to her at that time, telling her that they were never officially married because he already had a wife at the time, which wasn't true. Right. It's like, can you believe this shit? And then she was dancing around going, if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. <laughs> That's terrible. That's horrible. Spice Jeez. Girls, even. I mean, that's bad. We did Paula Abdul and the Spice Girls in one episode. In one, we should be shot. I'm fairly sure that's a sin. <laughs> yeah. 
It's not right. Yeah. Wait until we pull out menudo. <laughs> I hate menudo. It tastes rotten. Well, the, the soup is good, but the meat. Oh, you meant the I band. I like menudo. You mean the band. Yeah, I meant the band. Now, <laughs> despite his abilities, um, Hake spent a considerable amount of time in prison, mainly for fraud that involved various illegal enterprises. During one brief period, he worked at an amusement park run by a man named William Mac Donald. Mac in quotation marks. Mac Donald McSwan. So he's called Mac because of his last name. And his parents, Donald McSwan, and his wife, Amy. And his other uncle, Donald the Duck. I know, right? Now, the family liked Hegg. They promoted him in the business and were sorry to see him leave when he decided he wanted glittering prizes elsewhere. He wanted to move on to bigger and better things. His next project, though, involved setting up a false attorney's office, which earned him four years in prison. <laughs> it's almost like that, cosme- that cosmetic surgeon in Florida. I was just thinking of the same the thing. Jacksonville. Boys and girls, Botox do you want doctor? Do you want to have Botox and bubbly with your uh, your doctor? friendly cosmetic surgeon in That's Jacksonville, right. Florida? Watch <laughs> me, Doctor Numbnuts, get drunk on on uh, uh, four locos <laughs> while I inject your face with very mysterious Botox that could be from a third world, fourth world, or no world country. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? Literally, what's the worst? At least it's not out of my van. I have a website, so you know I'm legit. Anyways, it was while he was spending time in prison on that charge that he started to think up new, new, like, schemes and plots to become rich quick. His get-rich-quick schemes, right? Instead of, you know, working hard for a living. His plan was to go after rich, older women. He also convinced himself that if there was no body, there was no conviction. I'm, I'm like a quarter of a way there. I'm after old women. <laughs> I don't care about the money. Money doesn't interest me one damn bit, but older? <laughs> Anyways. Bring, that, bring, bring those saggly, wrinkly boobs over here. That's hot. So, because of this, you know, no corpse, no charges belief that he had, he started working with sulfuric acid in the prison's tin shop where he experimented on mice and made studies on the effects of how acid reacted with animal tissue. I got a, I got a song for that one, too. Oh, Lord. Mice, mice, baby. <laughs> oh, so now you're going to wreck a vanilla ice wrap? Yes, well, you can't wreck it because it's vanilla ice. It's already wrecked. Um, <laughs> I might have to agree with you there, but I do love Ice Ice Baby. That's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> Only because I can practically recite it word for word. Everybody can because as stupid as it was, it was catchy. still is. It's it's got the it's got a good hook. Yeah, it's got that catchy little boom 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 ba boom boom. But anyways, <laughs> after he was released from prison, he set about to carry out his heinous plans. In the meantime, he stayed with. The Stefan family. I don't know who that is. Where he began a close friendship with one of their daughters, Barbara, who despite being 20 years separated in age, she was 20 years younger, she became the next Mrs. Hyde. Hey, you know what? I can't fault him for that because that feeds into a whole different fetish, okay? I'm not even faulting our Johnny boy here for that. You go, boy. You go. Yeah. 
Okay. Then in 1944, he was involved in a car accident. And in the accident, he suffered a head injury, which when it bled, it bled into his mouth. And he later said it was that event that was the catalyst that awakened his blood-filled nightmares. Shortly after that, he had rented a basement, like not really apartment, but like space, I guess, where he set up his, quote, workshop, which was a grim death trap for unsuspecting victims. Almost like, you know, um, H.H. Holmes's murder castle. Right, right, right. You know, but I don't think it was quite that elaborate. Now, at a pub house in Kensington, he chanced upon a f- his former employer, Mac McSwain. Now, Mac was happy to see him and took Hyg to see his parents. During the friendly reunion, they told Hyg of their recent investments in property. Now, this information saying that they had a property investments was basically what sealed their fate. After, you know, spending some time with him, reacquainting himself for several weeks, he carried out his plan on the September 9th, 1944. In his diary, another one, he claimed that he had a sudden need for blood, so he hit McSwain over the head with a blunt instrument. Then he slit the man's throat. What an asshole. Yeah, he said, and I'm quoting, I got a mug and took some blood from his neck in the mug and drank it. He later found a 40-gallon barrel that he put the body in and filled it with sulfuric acid. He described in his confession how when the body was finally submerged in the acid, the fumes overwhelmed him and he had to go outside. He later covered the drum and went home to bed, leaving his former employer and friend to dissolve in the sludge. What a dick. Now, he said that during that night, he had even more, like, graphic, surreal nightmares that were blood-filled and terrifying. Now, the following day, um, when he went and checked on the body, there was little left than cold clumps of liquid and lumps, which he disposed of down a drain. Why would you even want to look? Like, for real? Because I think he wanted to know what the effect it had on a human body because he'd only use it on mice. How fast would it work on a body? Obviously, it works very fast. Right? Faster than Drano. Okay, go for it. Fuck it. Good to know, right? Clean those pipes. Now, knowing he had killed someone and removed the traces of the crime, that gave him a feeling of euphoria. He managed to convince McSwain's parents that their son had gone away to avoid um, any kind of anything, right? He even sent fake postcards to them from Scotland pretending to be their son. However, his main concern was how he was going to acquire the assets. So the next murder would be committed with the addition of new equipment to deal with dissolving bodies. You know, because you got to step up your game, right? Right. Well, no, that that I agree with. Always strive to be the best at whatever you do. Even if it's killing? Honestly, yeah. Okay, so... Um, he went out. Hold on. I better explain. I know. I know. My dad always told me this, and this is why I'm, I'm fairly successful. He always said, and he drove it into me. He said, boy. Boy. Be the best at everything that you do. If you pick up dog shit in the park, be the best dog shit picker upper. And there's a reason for it. Because long story short, people will notice that you do the best of, at what you do and you'll rise up to the ranks. Right. Without ever saying a word. 
you'll rise up through the ranks. And that's the key to becoming successful is be the best. If you become complacent and go, well, you know what? I'm just going to kind of slack off. You know, I'll just do the status quo. You know, I'll just kind of do whatever I can to just kind of get by. Then that's the level you're going to stay at. It's when you kind of man up, so to speak, and strive for excellence. Right. That you will achieve excellence. Right. No, I I agree with you because my grandpa did the same thing. You know, you do the best. I mean, you do above and beyond, basically, if you want to get anywhere. You know, because nobody, and right. the sad part is, is, I mean, he didn't use these words, but people don't celebrate mediocrity in the world. No, and and, that, and that's exactly it. You know, that's exactly Despite it. what they're trying to teach our children now. But and the, which, which stands to be fucking greatly. Greatly saddens me. Yeah, because I, I'll tell all of you out there that, that don't know this. Your boss notices when you go above and beyond. Oh, they do. Whether they acknowledge it or not, they notice. And you will get that acknowledgement someday. Right. You know, like when the promotions come up and stuff, you'll be Uh like, you know. So anyways, so he actually went out and bought himself a few little items. He started by buying himself a portable hand operated water pump. And this water pump is actually called a stirrup pump because the footrest resembles a stirrup and it's used normally used to extinguish small fires. Right. He also bought some tin face masks and a steel bathtub, which he painted to make it more resistant to corrosion, which he all took all of these things to his little workshop of death. Now, according to a police statement, before he ventured on his plan to cruelly dispose of the rest of the McSwan family, he also murdered a middle-aged woman from Hammersmith. The McSwans disappeared on July second, nineteen forty-five. They were killed in a sli- they were killed similar to the way their son was. He hit them first, killing them, and then claimed to have drunk their blood before he dissolved them in acid. Now, after informing the McSwans' landlady that the couple had gone to America, you know, because heaven forbid if they stay anywhere close, he had all of their mail forwarded to him, including the pension check. <coughs> Of course. Hey, hey, man, go big or go home. He then set about forging their son's signature on a power of attorney and by forging a deed on a property owned by Mrs. McSwan and appropriating it into a false name. He also managed to make nearly 2,000 pounds from selling the property. And with the securities and sales of possessions of all their possessions, he totaled the amount of 6,000 pounds. Right. Which that's pretty good payday back then. Yeah, it's decent. So, for a while, he managed to swindle people through other scams, including posing as a liaison officer, dealing with patents, and setting up fake branches in several towns. It was also around this time that he later claimed in a confession that he had killed and disposed of a young man called Max from Kensington. Now, his spoils from the McSwans were running out, and they were, like, dwindling fast. And so he needed more money from new victims. This time he chose a more wealthy couple. Dr. Archibald Henderson and his wife, Rose, were selling their house. Now, he cultivated a relationship with them. And it was based on their apparent shared passion for music. And Hyde encouraged them to reveal information about their properties. Now, he rented a storehouse in Crawley, London, and he moved his possessions from 
where they were to over there and began setting up a workshop again, a bigger one. This time he ordered, um, I don't know what this is. Give me a minute. I have to define something. I don't know why I didn't do it before. What is it? Oh, okay. Carboys. This time he ordered three uh, large plastic bottles of sulfuric acid and two 40-gallon drums with tops. Man, he's rolling with the 40s. Dude, I'm telling you, and it ain't no 40-ounce old (laughs) E and orange juice. We're going to jump out this 40 on the corner for our fallen homie. Yeah, pour a little out for the lost. That's right. Yeah. Now, he dissolved both bodies in acid, but this time it did not erase all traces as Mr. Henderson's foot was left intact. However, this didn't bother George too much. He just dumped all the remains, including the foot, in the corner of a yard. Now, he felt immune to being captured. He was like, you know what? No body, no crime. Now, <coughs> efforts to maintain the impression that the Hendersons were still alive were very methodical and time-consuming on his part. Plus, he was singing a song. He went, nobody knows <laughs> right? the cadavers I've seen. <laughs> nobody knows. As he's Not over even there the playing ponies. on his harmonica. <laughs> oh, my God. He's got the blues. The acid bath blues. <laughs> okay, I know I'm in prison now, but I got a song for you called the acid bath blues. I actually have a harmonica at the house. (laughs) That's because you like to blow. But anyway, Ah, I digress. Go ahead. I'm not the one who's on Sandy all the time. Just saying. I'm not on Sandy ever. Did you move over to Burnside? I'm not on Burnside ever. And I'm not on 82nd ever either. As I say, did you get demoted to go back to 82nd? Because that's scuzzy, man. No, I didn't. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) Too late. I'm not a hunker. Anyway, <laughs> oh, no. you know what? It's, it's, I was it's... listening to some of our old episodes. Do you realize you started calling me a hooker almost from the very beginning? Probably. <laughs> I'm just saying. Probably. It was before episode 100. I'm and it's not saying. a hooker. It's a it's a male escort. How would I be a male escort? I'm a woman. Oh, my God. My boobs prove it. Fine. But you're not escorting women. Well, are you escorting women? No, but they're... Women who are in that business are considered female escorts. I thought it was because you were escorting males. Mm-mm. Fine. You're a female escort. Oh, my God. As opposed to a Ford escort. With a four-cylinder? That With a four-cylinder. Like, that acts like a six? <laughs> that was horrible. That was a terrible car, man. Anyway, terrible. Now, he starred, He even forged letters to Rose Hent by... Supposedly from Rose Henderson. And one of them was a lengthy letter to her brother. Now, after he sold the properties and possessions, he acquired roughly 8,000 pounds total. Okay. Now, he actually showed a contempt for his victims. And he even gave his girlfriend, Barbara, some of Mrs. Henderson's clothes to wear. Which is common in a lot of serial killers. Well, wait a minute. Since he's so macabre. Do you ever think that he did the whole Night of the Living Dead thing? Go, they're coming for you, Barbara. Oh my they're God, coming to get I you. <laughs> I keep Every time you say Night of the Living Dead, though, I always think of that guy from Tales of the Crypt. Oh, the Crypt Keeper, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the little skeleton guy. Yeah. I miss Tales from the Crypt, man. Me too. That Me was, too. That was badass. Those were always pretty good. Now, unexpectedly, Rose Henderson's brother was 
actually prepared to go to the police. But Hyde managed to convince him that the couple had immigrated to South Africa on the grounds that Dr. Henderson had actually performed an illegal abortion, so they were running from the law. Well, wait a minute. If he was going to go to the police and they're in England, would he go to Sting first? Or would they set up a Sting? Oh, my God. <laughs> would they say, don't stand, don't stand too close to me? Or um, every breath you take, that every was, move you make. That was his solo career. Yeah. Which, that's a creepy-ass damn song. <laughs> I know, huh? That's, that is a stalker song for real. I think the Sting should be arrested just for doing that song. Well, and not just that. It, I mean, because... I think it is it poison or it's like um, I'll be there for you. These five words, I swear to you. Bon Jovi. That's Bon Jovi. Okay, I, I knew that as soon as I started singing it. But that's not even necessarily a stalking song. Is more of a devotion. No, it, but it, it stings, is. I'll I'll be watching you. That is such a stalker song. It's right. so scary. Because in the Bon Jovi song, it starts off. I guess this time you're really leaving. I heard your suitcase. Say goodbye. So they they, yeah. they have a history. Yeah, is what the story's telling you. Sting is like. <laughs> I'll be watching you no matter what you do. Yeah. Every time you breathe, every time you eat, when you're dating a guy, walking your dog, taking a pee. Yeah. I'm watching you. It's like, um, look, sir, here's a restraining order. You yeah. need to get the hell away from me. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, no, that is stalkery for real. Now, here's an indication of how depraved and sociopathic he was. He planned on visiting the mother, mother of a recently deceased school friend whom he saw had died in the obituaries, right? No doubt he had intentions to dispose of the grieving mother and misappropriate any possession she had. However, his his plan went by the wayside when she died unexpectedly herself. I hate when that happens. Before when, he could do it, right? Yeah, I hate when that happens. You know, when, when I'm... When, when I'm, you're planning on killing somebody and they die on their that's own. That's right. I'm looking at an old lady. I'm all, huh, she's like 100 years old. I can probably bang her for a little while until she kicks off, steal her money. And then they die? How rude. <laughs> Just no, nobody's courteous anymore. What's wrong with people? Yeah. Anyways... Now, his money, again, you know, his misappropriated funds were quickly running out, mostly because he liked to gamble and he had expensive tastes, including staying in high-rise hotels, up, you know, high-market hotels. Right. I, I, I'm picking yeah. up what you're saying. I hear you yeah. chirping, Big Bird. Well, while there, he socialized with a lot of el- wealthy elderly women, including Mrs. Olive Durand Dinkin. That's a fuck name. That's her hyphenated name. And thought, and he also thought up murderous plans to dispose of her. In June 1948, he claimed that his car was stolen, but it was actually found smashed at the foot of a cliff. Um, less than a month later, and what, down a little? No, just a little bit closer to your mic. Oh, okay. Better? Yeah, keep going. Okay. Bye. Now, um, less than a month later, an unidentified body was found nearby. However, the police decided that the two incidents were not related, right? Because they didn't find the body when they found the vehicle. Nobody, no, no crime, and nobody you knows. You know what? That should be our new saying. Nobody, no crime. And then we'll follow up with nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> now, he denied having anything to do with the body even after his arrest. He he had told his girlfriend, Barbara, that he wanted to collect the car insurance and even took her to the spot where the the Lagonda, that's the vehicle he's driving, had been written I've off. I've never fucking heard about the Lagonda. Yeah, La me neither. Gonda? It was then that she began to become a little suspicious of her fiancé. 
In the meantime, despite having killed Mrs. Duran Dinkin, his money was again running out, and he needed to pay off some loans. You hey, know, man. You got to pay off them loan sharks when you're gambling, right? Hoes and loans, they cost money, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Even though he tried to invite other people out to his den of death, no one came. I love den of death. That's freaking know, right? awesome. You like that one? I'm going to start using that. Welcome to my den of death. You know what? I kind of believe you. Now, Rose Henderson's brother once again started causing problems for him. I don't know if I call it my palace of pussy. Anyways, so he he started causing problems for Hank by insisting that the police locate his sister due to the death, due to a death in the family. That's when Hank realized he had to silence this man. So, but before he could carry out his callous intentions on both, on I'm sorry, on Henderson, he was, again, arrested. I wonder if he pulled out Ahmed, the dead terrorist, from Jim, uh, from Jeff Dunham and goes, Silence! I killed you. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I'll say it. That one was good. <laughs> now, like I said, before he could carry out his murderous intentions, um, he was arrested. He, You know what he said to the reception officer as soon as he arrived at the at the. Ooh, I know, I know. He went, silence, I kill you. Huh? He went, silence, I kill you. That's what he no, said. No, yeah. he said, this is a result of doing six people, but not for personal gain. Wow. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Then he confesses to everything. What a dipshit. Besides his parents, the one person who was profoundly affected by the news of him being a callous mass murderer was Barbara Stevens. He's fi- his fiance. Now, she visited him regularly in prison, trying to understand why this man she loved, who she thought was so charming and upstanding, was involved in killing people. Did he intend to kill her? She asked him, did you want to kill me? Was I going to be a victim? And he, he said he never entertained the idea. And she thought maybe it was a genuine reply. However, she knew that at some point she may have succumbed to a similar fate if he saw her as an inconvenience, which I think she's right. I, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what was obvious was no matter what, he didn't seem to have any remorse. And he reveled in telling everybody every grisly escapade he was involved in, <coughs> which when he saw them in the newspaper, his like his tales in the newspapers, it made him even happier. We right? see that with a lot of the killers that we've talked to, though. Yeah. Um, well, and that's true. I mean, because yeah. we were asked last week or this past weekend, you know, it's like, do do these people actually want to talk? You know, do they actually respond back or whatever, you know, and do they mind that you're putting them on the air? And we're like, no, most of them love it. Right, right, right. You know, we have a lot of attention hounds. We do. But still, at the same time, you know, why not capitalize on that, I guess? Is my saying. Well, that's exactly what we do. I, mean, I know. It's like, you know no. what? If they want to talk, why not bring them on the show and let them talk on here? Speaking of that, you still have to leave a message for oh, a particular shit. serial yes, killer. Yes, 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 I do. Who has now called me five times today. Already? Yep. Wow. So even though the acid had destroyed quite a bit of evidence, not everything was eliminated. The foot. Yeah. They Gotta actually were able to find small bones dentures, Mr. Henderson's foot, and even a gallbladder were all recovered as the forensic team sifted through tons of mud and sludge at his 
at both places where he set up shop. Well, the gall bladder of some people. I know, the gall of people, right? <laughs> now, technicians actually had to wear rubber gloves and cover their arms in Vaseline to protect themselves from the acid. But here's what they found. 28 pounds of human body fat, three faceted gallstones, part of a left foot, 18 fragments of human bone, upper and lower dentures still intact, the handle of a red plastic bag, and a lipstick container. Okay? Now, despite the forensic evidence, it was his his own sense of indensibility and arrogance that was his greatest undoing when it came to finding him guilty. He was of the opinion that nothing could be found from his human slaughterhouse and confidently recounted in great detail everything he had done. As far as he was concerned, it was a case of corpus delecti, which is really no body, no crime, yeah. no punishment. Yep, yep. Right? Which some people wouldn't know that, but, you know, <coughs> we do because we do this. Because this is what we do. <laughs> this is what we do. We learn new shit all the time. Yeah, and even sometimes we're shocked at what we learn. Uh-huh. So, on April 1st, 1949, um, the prosecutor... Roby opened the case for the prosecution before 10 magistrates. He was in a confident, Hyde was in a confident mood and even made light banter throughout the proceedings as if he was unaware of the magnitude of his crimes. If ever there was an illustration of sociopathic tendencies, that is the inability to empathize and recognize feelings and emotions, he would be like the poster child, right? Like, you look up sociopathic tendencies, it's his picture. It's right? like suicidal tendencies, but sociopathic. I gotcha. Suicidal tendencies. The band. I the know, 80s, 90s, I know. Yeah. So, Hagen had, during an early confession, not only admitted to many of the deaths, but had also asked as to what would happen if anyone was declared insane. It seemed that even at the early stages, he was mulling over the possibility of, you know, trying to prove that he was, you know, mad. In order to escape being given the death penalty and most likely invented the stories of his dreams and claims to drink the, his victim's blood in order to save his own life. Could be. Yeah. So during the proceedings, the DA called 33 witnesses that, to the stand in order to prove premeditation of murder for personal gain. He laid out his case in the form of a basic chronology that showed how rational Higgs' movements were and had not been the actions of someone with diminished capacity. Because obviously, if you're disposing of the bodies in that way, you've thought it through. Totally. And you totally, know totally. that if that body's found, it can be linked back to you, so you're covering your tracks. So obviously, he knew right from wrong, right? Tell you what, man. He shouldn't have disposed of any body part that is over 12 inches long. Because he got busted because of a foot. I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> and I must say, lame. That was good. Come it on. was lame. <laughs> it was one of your lamest. Now, oh, anyway. Saddening. Haig was also examined by several psychologists and doctors who were interested in his claims to have a need to drink blood. Such a compulsion, if it was genuine, is part of a sexual deviation and related to the act of violence itself. However, he who it appeared had little interest in sex, gave no indication that he suffered from such a disorder. How right? can anybody have a limited interest in Dude, sex? Dude, I have no idea. 
He, I mean, that alone should prove he was insane, right? Exactly. Being a grown ass man with no interest in sex. Johnny, let me tell you but something there, but growing up in a strict household, I can kind of see it. Still, once he got out and about and he learned about, you know, the poussoir, you would think he'd be like, I am all over that, like white on rice. Like orange is a new black. It's poussé, bitch. Adantois. A la twat? What? No, adantois. Fine, a la twat. Whatever. It's poussé, bitch. <laughs> I love that show. But anyways, um, where was I? Oh, so most of the psychologists did agree that although he suffered from some mental health issues, he was not insane by any legal standard. And he had been perfectly aware that his actions were wrong, especially by his meticulous planning. One very high-profile psychiatrist believed that without any doubt that he had a paranoid constitution, which is pretty much the same mental disease that Hitler was diagnosed with. Okay? So... Hey, they, these people believe that Hay had most likely developed a paranoid personality in order to escape his parents' like overwhelming universe mm-hmm. and in order to relieve himself from emotional pain, which I can see that. His upbringing had contributed to a mental state where the dividing lines between reality and fantasy had some, become somewhat blurred. However, he still knew right from wrong because he tried to hide his actions, Right. So the result was that Haig had an acute sense of omnipotence, which is over, you know, all-knowing, all-seeing, untouchable, and believed he was above the law. He, he was, in effect, an egocentric paranoiac, right? Who, although aware that killing people was not legal, still thought it was part of fulfilling his destiny. He tried tried to impress on the psychiatrist more details of his abnormal dreams and obsession with blood, drinking, but none of them really bought his efforts to portray himself as crazy. However, something of which they were not aware was that he had years before developed a friendship with an employee at the Sussex Psychiatric Hospital and had shown a great deal of interest in mental illness. So he possessed a talent for deception and having over the years also posed as a lawyer, engineer, and doctor. So he was very good at getting information he needed later. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who's to say he even had a mental illness in the first place? He could have been faking it after learning all that information. My personal opinion is that he did not have a mental illness. He had greed. Yeah, he had greed and he was a megalomaniac. He was egocentric. You know, the world owed him something and he was going to get it no matter what, you know. So in on July 18th, 1949, 4000 people crowded the small town of Luz, hoping to get a seat in the courtroom. Judge Justice Humphreys presided over the trial and hey, 4000 people. Mm -hmm. Hey, had no money to pay for his defense. So the one of the local newspapers signed a deal with him and offered to pay for his counsel if they could have the exclusive. Fair right? enough, yeah. Which, you know what? Kudos to them. I would do that. The Daily Mirror was also found in contempt of court for emphasizing Haig was being a vampire. So the editor of the Daily Mirror was sentenced to three months in prison for contempt. And they also had to pay a 10,000-pound fine. Hey, fair, fair. It's worth it, though. Yeah, because you know what? Sometimes the media can be very... 
you know. Well, and it's worth it because it's going to sell a lot of it's going to sell a lot of media. I see what you're saying that it was worth it. It was worth the cost he had to pay. Can I throw in a small commercial real quick? Sure. That we're not even getting paid for. Guys, if you like hot, hot sauce that's really flavorful. Oh, I'm, here we go. I'm, I'm sitting over here on the other side. I'm still eating my breakfast burrito. And I'm, uh, I've am i got a huge collection of Melinda's hot sauces. And then right now, I'm, I've got that ghost pepper sauce. Oh, yeah. From the Day of the Dead. Oh, my God. This shit's hot as fuck. Are you still over there? I, I had to put the rest of mine away because I got full. I was afraid I'd get sick again. I'm just I'm, I'm eating it slowly but surely because my face is burning off. It's slowly but surely. But <laughs> Melinda's has it. I'm telling you, man. This stuff's awesome. It's hotter than hell, though. Yeah. Christ. Yeah. Is that the same one that you gave me some hot sauce from? Is that the same brand? Uh, Yeah. This this one right here. Melinda's. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like their 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 garlic one is. Yeah, a, I was gonna say it's the garlic one that you gave me. Yeah, that that was not very spicy. That's a garlic habanero or whatever. Yep, it's yeah. pretty good, but it's not spicy. This gold, this ghost pepper one. Gee, me Christmas. I'm gonna feel bad when I go to the bathroom. Yeah, I'm gonna feel bad when you go to the bathroom too, because I'm gonna have to hear about it. <laughs> I'm gonna send you pictures. I was gonna say you will text me exactly how painful it is. Oh, right yeah. Now. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be like the bad. People don't believe me, but it's true. People, <laughs> I'm not lying. Okay, continue on. I just, I had to share that because there's, there's yeah. some people out there who like super hot stuff. Like me, that that like flavor with it. It's got great flavor, you know. The flavors are there. The 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 the, fla- the flavor profiles there, but it's hot. God damn it, this stuff's hot. <laughs> now, of course, Haig pled not guilty, right? And the prosecution rested its case of deliberate premeditated murder for personal gain. Now, his defense counsel tried to rely on the issue of his insanity. Now, they described to the court how his, men- his, quote, mental illness would have affected his ability to appreciate the morality of his acts. He doesn't acts. have a mental illness. The guy's just he an asshole. He doesn't have morality. Yeah, he doesn't have morals either. Fuck I this mean, guy. <laughs> Fuck this how guy How can right you appreciate here. something you don't have to begin with? Right, exactly. What a dipshit. So, it was obviously clear that Haig was a- aware that what he was doing was wrong in the eyes of the law. And that was... In full evidence when he tried to cover up his crimes with the letters to people, you know, trying to say that they're still alive in other places, the acid bath, all that. Mm -hmm. So with that admission, his defense collapsed. There was only one issue to be decided, the question of his sanity. Now, the defense's psychiatrist failed to prove that Haig's judgment was impaired. Also, because Haig had initially inquired about getting released from Broadmoor, it appeared as if he was thinking using insanity to get him off the hook, right? It was like from the very beginning, he started inquiring about, you know, what happens if I'm proven insane? (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, officer. So the prosecution declared that he was simply a man who believed he had discovered the perfect crime by committing murder for gain and then pretended he was insane when he got caught. The jury was left to decide whether paranoia could be considered a mental illness or a defect, and it took them, oh wait, how long do you think they deliberated? Hopefully a short amount of time, like five minutes. Fifteen minutes and before Sweet. they found him guilty. See, that's the thing about England, right? Four and a half minutes for the baby farmer, mm-hmm. 15 minutes for the acid bath killer. Maybe we should try all of our crimes in England. I agree. Well, they need that, that one magistrate. And uh, oh, that one magistrate, and that constable and that from constable. Shipman, yeah, yep. yeah. You get those two in, a lot of people. But then the be... French courts, remember, on all those charges, uh, Doctor Patois. Oh yeah, and it, and it averaged out to be so many seconds per verdict. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'll, I'll give the French that. Yeah. So, 
they came back and of course he was guilty. The judge asked him if he had anything to say and he literally and I'm going to try to describe this for you. He cocked his head to the side and said nothing at all. Then he put a black cap on his head and the judge sentenced him to die. Good. He would hang for his crimes. Now Haig finished his story, his life story for the newspaper that paid for his trial. He also wrote letters to his fiance and his parents who did not see him before he died. His mother sent greetings through a reporter, through a reporter. <laughs> and Haig also told Barbara that he believed in reincarnation and that he would be back to complete his mission. As a butterfly. Yeah. Check this out. Madame Tussaud, her, the wax... Museums yes. requested a fitting for a death mask, and he was happy to oblige. So on August 6, 1949, he was hanged for his crimes, and the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum erected a statue, a wax statue in honor of him to complete his very own. Then they actually donned his own clothes on him that he bequeathed to the institution upon his death. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he, they actually got the clothes he was wearing at the time he was hung. To be on his wax figure. I'm going to give the clothes uh, off my back, you know, the, the day that I'm hung, but that's every day. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Anywho. But yeah, I mean, I would actually like to go to the England Madame Tussauds. I've been mm-hmm. to the one in Vegas. It's pretty interesting. Cool. Um, because all of them are interactive, you know, because you can go to the wax museum here at, in Newport and you can't interact with them. Whereas Madame Legally. Tussauds is all interactive. You can, but they frown on it. Yeah, because it's all behind <laughs> glass and everything. So You get in there and you try humping one of them. They're pretty quick. At <laughs> you know what? You it was, so I've heard. So I've heard. Because of Madame Tussauds Wax Museum in Vegas, I got to kiss Tupac. So I'm just saying. Tupacs? You know, the love of my life. Tupac and Eminem for 50 Cent? No, but I also, I married uh, George Clooney and I played poker with Ben Affleck. <laughs> I played golf with Arnold Palmer. Oh, and I got a picture with the eldest. Weren't you a hunk of burning love? And I sang for American Idol, and um, Simon Cowell said I was atrocious. <laughs> Which is true, but still, I digress. But no, I mean, could you imagine? I, I don't know. I, it, to me, it's just macabre, but that's who. that's our sense of humor, is we have a macabre sense of humor. Yeah. So actually going to see him... In the Waxing Museum would be awesome. I like the macabre shit. Yeah. Is that it for this one? Yeah. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation, TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you happen to be getting your blogs from. Go on to the Book of the Faces Facebook and look at Citizens of Brutal Nation. Join in the chat. We try to post a daily question. We I try to. I dropped the ball this morning. I, I was going to drop one. I dropped the ball this week, too, because I wasn't feeling good. So. Yeah. Okay. You were sick as fuck. As fuck. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else? We're going to be changing the Etsy store, so this could be the last moment since you can get a hold of us uh, or buy anything through Etsy before we change to a different uh, a different vendor for that. Yeah. By by the beginning of next week, we'll have a different vendor. So. Yeah. So, but it, your your orders will still go through now. So check yeah. out the Etsy store. Uh, there's also a link on the uh, Citizens Brutal Nation page. Do, do, do. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. This show's copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And if you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. We will talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.